The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Luke. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus replied, Man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? Then he said to them, Watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. And he told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, What shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, This is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones, and there I'll store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, You have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life, take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, You fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves but is not rich towards God. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or about your body, what you will wear. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothes. Consider the ravens. They do not sow or reap, and they have no storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable are you than birds? Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to your life, since you can, cannot do this very little thing? Why do you worry about the rest? Consider how the wildflowers grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, how much more will he clothe you, you of little faith? And you, do not set your heart on what you will eat or drink, and do not worry about it, for the pagan world runs after all such things, and your Father knows that you need them. But seek his kingdom, and these things will be given to you as well. Do not, do not be afraid, little flock, for your Father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the poor. Provide purses for yourselves that, that will not wear out, a treasure in heaven that will never fail, where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise well, good morning. good morning. Let me try that one more time. Well, good morning. My name is Paul. I'm the senior pastor here. It's a joy to have you join us on this beautiful Charleston sunny day. Amen? It's so beautiful out here. We've got the sunlight piercing through our windows. We have Russell Cook reading our passage. It's going to be a good day. All right. Well, before we dive into this passage from Luke 12, would you bow your heads with me and share one more brief word of prayer? Dear Heavenly Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. And in the oldest prayer of the church, I pray, come, Holy Spirit, come in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, the title of my message today is Living for More. And I'd like to begin by asking everyone this question. Are you someone who believes that more is always better. Now, I recognize that there are a lot of new faces here at One Fellowship and that many of us have moved to Charleston from all different places, which all of this is great, but I think we can all agree on this one truth. The last 20 months have been crazy, right? Or said a bit differently. The last 20 months have caused a lot of men and women 
and some in this room to act crazy. How do I know? Two words, toilet paper. (laughs) As shared in her article, Who Bought All of the Toilet Paper? Journalist Linda Carroll discovered and passed along some incredibly insightful things about our behavior, at least about some of our behavior, with these words, quote, in mid-March 2020, as the coronavirus cases started their sharp climb in the United States, many Americans appeared to have one thing in mind before hunkering down, buy toilet paper and lots of it. But not everyone grabbed every role in sight. And research, believe it or not, they researched this, research published in the scientific journal, Plus One, offers insights into why people scrambled for toilet paper while others held back. Listen to this. After surveying 966 people across 22 different countries, the Max Planck Institute for Evolutionary Anthropology in Germany. I know we probably have many graduates here today. It's it's quite the uh, title there. Anyway, researchers found that people were more likely to hoard if they were especially frightened by COVID. That makes sense. They wanted to hunker down. However, next, people also were likely to stockpile if they scored high in emotionality. That is, they tended to be more fearful, anxious, dependent, or sentimental. Okay, that makes some sense. But last but not least, researchers discovered that people were likely to hoard toilet paper if they were high in conscientiousness. If they are folks who are organized, diligent, perfectionistic, and prudent. Hmm. Carol goes on to write, and while the study only focused on toilet paper purchases, stockpiling likely wasn't limited to that. Theo Topp, the co-leader of this research, said in an email to our journalist, from our point of view, it seems plausible that our pattern of results more threat goes along with more stockpiling, exists for other commodities. And psychologist Nita Gold wasn't surprised by the findings. Quote, this study tells us that what we may have thought intuitively, said Gold, a clinical psychologist and assistant professor at Johns Hopkins University School of Medicine, people who felt threatened by COVID were more likely to hoard And people who tend to be more conscientious, that is more future-oriented and orderly, also tend to stockpile, the professor said. It's likely that anxious individuals were hoarding because it gave them a sense of control when so much was out of control. Let me read that quote again. People who felt threatened by COVID were more likely to hoard And people who tend to be more conscientious, that is, those who are future-oriented and orderly, also tend to stockpile. It's likely that anxious individuals were hoarding because it gave them a sense of control. 
when so much was out of control. Hmm, sound familiar? Without raising any hands, might this behavior or personality type describe any person or family in our church today? Now, just to keep things real, I'd like to say that I was more the conscientious type, future-oriented and orderly, when I asked Carly to buy these items during the madness of 2020. Hold, please. Rice and beans. Listen, listen, listen. And lots of hot sauce. There's 48 pounds of rice and beans on the stage right now. And when I asked Carly to buy these, she's like, what, are we trying to live out some old Western movie here? And why would she ask that? Well, we never eat rice and beans. You know what I said? I'm fine being Clint Eastwood. That's what I said. I'm fine being Clint Eastwood through COVID. Better safe than sorry. Just buy the rice and beans. So I didn't hoard toilet paper. I didn't hoard batteries. I hoarded rice and beans. And lots of hot sauce. We are ready, one fellowship. <laughs> Here's the point. I don't know if I can preach with these up here, so hold, please. You're in charge, Brandon. Right, you... <laughs> Here's the point. Life, especially the complexity and craziness of life, tends to trigger, trigger the complexity and craziness in each one of us, doesn't it? For honest, through the twists and turns of life, you know, some of us are tempted to check out, numbing ourselves in some way, shape, or form just to get through the day, the week, or the next month. Others, meanwhile, we check in. Dare I say, lock in, obsessively planning, plotting, in stockpiling, in an effort to keep ourselves and those we care about safe. Maybe you lean one way, maybe you lean another way, or maybe you're a nice mix of the two. I'm, I'm going to check in. Oh, nope, I'm going to check out now. So what's the best way or what's the Jesus way to live our lives? Our passage asks Today. How are we to manage our anxieties and our assets in the world in which we live? Well, these questions lead us to our big idea and to the core of our sermon, some of which I shared in mid-2020 during the height of COVID. And I believe these points have great application as we end this year, 2021. Here's our big idea. Friends, the most important things in life are not amassed in a barn, but received in the heart. And this leads to a life of simplicity and generosity. 
The most important things in life are not amassed in a barn, but received in the heart, leading to a life of simplicity and generosity. So let's dive in. Point one, the most important things in life are not amassed in a barn. Our passage reads, Then he, Jesus, said to them, Watch out! Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. And he told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. And then he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. To quote theologian Leon Morris, greed can never get enough and worry is afraid it might not have enough. And in our passage today, Jesus addresses both greed and worry. First greed. He says, watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. In this word, green, excuse me, greed means to always lust for more. And Jesus is warning us that the temptation was real for them back then and is real for us today that to place our identity and our sense of security in what we have or what we own. Now, I don't know about you guys, but I grew up in a small town in central Florida where every boy seemingly wanted two things. Ready? A jacked up or a lifted pickup truck and a boat. Anyone else growing up in a small town dreaming of those things? As a kid, this made lots of sense because in Polk County, there were 500 lakes. Many of the lakes did not have paved boat ramps, so all the outdoors people needed a truck. And the nicer the truck, the better. Amen? And we all wanted boats. Some of us wanted fishing boats. Others wanted hunting boats. Others wanted believe it or not, airboats. But my longing was crystal clear. I wanted a ski boat. And not just any ski boat, a ski natique. Anyone ever been in a ski natique before? They are so powerful and so smooth. Well, this longing was real and it was very deep. It was only reinforced when I would go out to this lake called Crooked Lake in Central Florida. And I'd see this older guy named Rob. Rob the heart throb. That was his name for real. Can I get an amen? That was his name, or at least that was his real nickname, Rob the heart throb. And you see, Rob the heart throb had everything. He had that beautiful Florida cottage on a lake. He had the beautiful truck. He had the beautiful boat. He had the beautiful girlfriend. And oh, did I mention yet that he looked like Patrick Swayze from Point Break. He had it all, curly mullet and all. And I wanted what Rob had. I wanted his life. When you were a kid, did you ever look around wanting what someone else had? Well, that was me. That was me with Rob. And I'd be canoeing. I'd be paddling. 
with my friends, and he would just slalom ski by, and my mouth would drop. And this longing, dare I say this, materialistic lust, it became so strong that at one point as a kid, I went to my dad and I said, Dad, I wish you were more like Rob. And as you can imagine, this crushed my dad as he was working so hard to provide for our family. Yet the truth is, I I couldn't see it. I couldn't appreciate it. I couldn't give thanks for who I had or what I had. The seed of greed had taken up shop in my heart. And therein lies the problem with always lusting from more. You see, greed keeps us from appreciating and sharing what we do have by making us obsessed with what we do not have. It's the if-only complex. If only I had that car. If only I had that dress. If only I had that house. If only I had that money or that net worth, I'd be satisfied. But friends, here's the deal. Those are lies from the pit of you know where. No car, no boat, and no bank account can satisfy the love for which you long. In fact, greed and lust is far more hazardous than you might know. I've shared this information, this research before, but it comes from a book called The Price of Privilege by Dr. Madeline Levine. Once you have enough money to meet basic needs, money does not make you happier. America's newly identified at-risk group is preteens and teens from affluent, well-educated families. In spite of their economic and social advantages, they experience among the highest rates of depression, substance abuse, anxiety disorders, somatic complaints, and unhappiness of any group of children in this country. And study after study bears this out. Why might this be? Because greed and the lust for more, in the words of Malcolm Gladwell, create a toxic brew of pressure and isolation. And in the world of the wealthy, where greed runs rampant, no one and no thing is ever quite good enough, you see. And this, my friends, is why Jesus talked about greed and stewardship more than any other thing. Did you know that? Did you know that in 16 of Jesus' 38 parables, he talks about how to steward our resources? Did you know that? Did you know that in the Bible, there are over 2,000 verses about how we are to manage our money and our possessions? Why is this? Well, God because God wants us, excuse me, to have our full affection and to cover us with his full protection. And this plays out in how we manage what we have, our things. You see, how we steward our resources perhaps says more about our faith walk or our heart's posture towards God than any other matter, according to the Bible. Did you know that? 
Just listen to these verses. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. Proverbs 3, verses 9 and 10. A tithe, which means a tenth of everything from the land, whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord. It is holy to the Lord. Leviticus 27, 30. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house, meaning house of worship. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing until you may not have room enough to store it. Malachi 3.10. Watch out. Be on your guard, Jesus says, against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. Luke 12.15. These verses and many more like them is why the norm throughout history is for God's people to set aside the first tenth of one's income and bring it to the house of the Lord. This practice known as tithing isn't meant to simply preserve and advance God's kingdom, though it clearly involves that. Check this out. It's meant to preserve and advance our hearts in life and in God's kingdom. You see, it keeps us anchored in God's goodness rather than in greed. And if you have kids, it models this for your family, for your kiddos. Now, returning to our passage, this is precisely why Jesus shared this parable, the rich fool. It's not that the rich man was wrong for being wealthy. Catch that. It's not that the rich man was wrong for being wealthy. It's that this man hoarded his wealth and only lived for himself, completely abandoning and forsaking his role as a steward. In this parable, there's no mention of God, there's no mention of a tithe, and there's no mention of caring for one's neighbor. To this way of living, Jesus declared, you fool. This very night, your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you've prepared for yourself? This is how it will be for whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich towards God. You see it? Point one, the most important things are not amassed in a barn. And point two, the most important things are received in the heart, leading to a life of simplicity and generosity. Returning to Leon Morris's quote, greed can never get enough. Worry is afraid it may not have enough. After the parable of the rich fool, Jesus then turns our attention to the issue of worry. He said, therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life. Let me ask, can any of you relate to being worried or anxious in your life lately? Given all we've been through together over the last 20 months, I know I can. In fact, I'd like to give you a glimpse into my world and what I'm seeing Did you know that according to one of the leading church networks in North America, city to city, in-person church attendance is only at 40 to 50% of what it was prior to COVID? And did you know that according to research just recently published in the Wall Street Journal in an article titled, Churches Changed During the Pandemic and Many Aren't Going Back, 
that tens of thousands of churches are at risk of closing in the United States over the risk of declining membership and giving. And did you know that according to research released just this week from the Barner Group, 38% of pastors in the U.S. have thought about leaving ministry over the last year? Moreover, did you know that 46% of pastors under the age of 45 right now are currently considering leaving ministry? Crazy times, right? Now, before even knowing all of this research, as the pandemic, excuse me, as the pandemic kept going on and on and on, I found myself doing something. I found myself counting. Counting the number of people that were attending our in-person services. Counting the number of people who were joining us online. Counting the number of people in our groups. And counting along with our board of stewards, our year-to-date giving. And then something happened. You ready? True story. God said, Paul, stop counting. Stop counting as if the life of one fellowship depends on it. And then God led me to a very obscure passage in the Old Testament found in 1 Chronicles chapter 21. It reads, quote, Satan rose up against Israel and incited David to count the people of Israel. So David said to Joab and the commanders of the troops, go and count Israel from Beersheba to Dan and bring a report to me so I can know that number. And despite some initial pushback, the leaders of Israel then follow David's orders and go out and do what? They count the number of fighting men throughout Israel and they bring the tally back to David. And guess what? We read that this whole matter greatly displeased the Lord. First Chronicles 21 verse 8, then David said to God, I have sinned greatly by what I've done. Now I beg you to forgive me, your servant, because I've been so very foolish. Stop counting. I heard the Lord say to me, and more than that I heard, keep trusting. Keep trusting that I'm with you and your church every single day. See, worry, it's real, isn't it? It tricks us into thinking we may not have enough to make it through today or tomorrow or through this year. And we can find ourselves not only worrying about ourselves, but those we love, right? You know what I'm talking about, church? And what do we tend to do when we worry? We count. We check our bank accounts. We check our calendars. We check our social media likes. We check all those formal or informal ledgers that tell us we're okay or we're not okay. In the face of all this counting, all of this worrying, Jesus says to us, Scott, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you'll eat or about your body, what you'll wear. For life is more than food, the body more than clothes. Consider the ravens. They don't sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them. How much more valuable are you than the birds? And he goes on, consider the wildflowers, how they grow. They don't labor or spin, yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. 
If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today, tomorrow's thrown into the fire, how much more will he clothe you, you of little faith? Do not set your heart on what you'll eat or drink. Don't worry about it, Jesus says. For the pagan world runs after these things. And your father knows very well that you need them. But seek first his kingdom. And these things will be given to you as well. So what, friends, is the solution to worry? Listen, it's to trust in our inner lives that God is absolutely 100% fully sovereign over our outer lives. So Josh, do you believe that today? Yates, do you believe that today? That God cares for you? Kim, he loves you. Leslie, he is sovereign over you today. That's what it means to live in the kingdom of God. In the words of Bishop N.T. Wright, the kingdom of God is at its heart about God's sovereignty, sweeping the world with love and power so that the human beings, each made in God's image, each one dearly loved, may relax, may relax in the knowledge that God is in control. See, Brian, God is in control. Brandon, God is in control. Colleen, God is in control. Tanya, God is in control. Ray, God is in control. Joe, God is in control. Do you believe that, church, today, that God is in control? When we get this, when we really get this, Jesus tells us we'll be able to live simply and generously, you see? We'll no longer feel the need to hoard our possessions, but actually use them for kingdom purposes. We'll no longer count our resource, but release it. Trusting that God will do far more than, with it than we could ever do with ourselves. So friends, join me in, join our church as we close out this year in recognizing in word and deed that the most important things in life are not amassed in a barn, but received in the heart, leading to a life of simplicity and generosity. Join me in praying these words. Be thou my vision, O Lord of my heart. Not be all else to me, save that thou art. Thou my best thought by day or by night, waking or sleeping, thy presence my light. Be thou my wisdom and thou my true word. I ever with thee and thou with me, Lord. Thou my great father and I thy true son. Thou in me dwelling and I with thee one. Riches I heed not, nor vain empty praise. Thou my inheritance now and always. Thou and thou only first in my heart. High king of heaven, my treasure thou art. High king of heaven, my victory won. May I reach heaven's joys, O bright heaven's sun. Heart of my own heart, whatever befall, still me my vision, O ruler of all. Heart of my own heart, whatever befall, still be my vision, O ruler of all. May this be true in our hearts, and may this be true in the heart of one fellowship. In the name of the Father, the Son, 
In the Holy Spirit, amen.